I'm Josh Barrow. And I'm Lynette Lopez. And this is Hard Pass. We're here with Josh Brown, CEO of Ritholtz Wealth Management, who you probably know better as the reformed broker. Or the chair of the Twitter Federal Reserve. Josh and Josh and I really wanted to talk about how nobody wants anything anymore. Josh wrote this article called Abundance, and the idea is basically that a key driver of economic problems that exist today is that people don't want enough stuff. And that's partly because a lot of the things that people do want are available in abundance and are free. And money has gotten really cheap. You can borrow it and get investment capital very cheaply. And all this abundance means that it's very difficult to figure out how to invest your money in a way such that you can make a profit. It's just this observation that there's too much buying power in the world um, that's being held by people that don't need to use it. And then on the other side, there's this generational thing where people, they want to rent things, not own them. They're not as materialistic as their parents. They don't go to the mall necessarily to buy things. Our parents are the worst people. There's just this, like when you listen to, let's say, the CEO of Nordstrom or Macy's report earnings, there's like nothing good going on. And it's not because they're not good at their jobs or the merchandise mix is wrong or they're not cleaning up the stores, they're not marketing well. All of those things are fine. They're really good at this. It's just that they have less foot traffic and they have less consumers that actually want to buy five shirts at a time. That's not great for big business. And that's one small example of this bigger problem, which is people prize experience over items. They would rather go somewhere and do something and take pictures of themselves doing it than buy an item. The industries that serve consumers have not yet figured out how to make money as a result. Our economy is structured in a want things way. And now we've come to a point where we don't want things. I don't, I don't buy at all that this is a problem. I, 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 first, for, in, for two reasons. One is that I think we are over-describing how different millennials are from other generations. I think the main reason that millennials aren't buying a lot of stuff is they don't have money, that the job market has been bad for young people, that ah. they have overhangs of debt. If they had lots of money, I think they would go to Nordstrom and buy, buy lots of shirts. But the other thing is that to the extent that preferences are changing, that's fine. People will buy less of one thing and more than another thing. If people are obsessed with services, there is money to be made selling services to people. You I agree. People so how, how long do we spend in, in the gap between those two things, though? And the question is, why don't millennials have money? Is it because they're young? No. I mean, at this point, I think a lot of our parents had money. Corporations are just hoarding money for themselves and giving it to shareholders rather than creating real growth in America right now. Josh, you say, you say in this in this piece that we have huge problems with malinvestment and that companies are just looking for sales growth and they don't focus on whether the growth is profitable. They're happy to pay to acquire customers that will not generate returns anywhere near near the, the what what it costs to acquire them so long as they're in a sexy sector. And yet Another thing that we hear all the time is that it's a problem that companies are buying back too much stock, that they're not investing enough. They're sending too much money back to shareholders instead of investing it. But if we have this huge problem with malinvestment and companies are putting money into stupid stuff when they do invest, what that tells me is that there's a dearth of high-quality investment opportunities and that it's better if companies return profits to shareholders rather than malinvesting it. But I, I don't think those two stories can be true at the same time. They I can because they're, they absolutely because they're can. sector by sector basis. If we go through story by story, sector by sector, you see companies that 
have the opportunity to innovate but don't because it costs too much. They'd rather prioritize returning money to shareholders to keep their stock prices up and to satisfy the CEOs whose compensation is tied to stock market performance. Like my take on what you're saying, Josh, how could those two things be true at the same time? You have incumbents and you have challengers. The incumbents are in a mad dash to send as much of of the capital they earn back to their shareholders because the people that run these companies want to keep their jobs. And you see that behavior happen with big companies that have been around for 20 plus years, huge shareholder bases. They're in slow growth businesses. It's not like Coca-Cola can like come up with a soda that cures cancer and double its growth rate. Like at the end of the day, they sell sugar water. So it's somewhat rational, the buybacks, the dividends, the focus on profits today. I totally understand it. Then you've got this whole set of companies that are challengers, and they are funded by very wealthy people. Um, Now we're not talking about corporate capex. We're talking about venture capitalists. We're talking about oligarchs who are doing adventure capital. And they're they're pooling money, and the money's being pooled at a VC, and the VC says, you know, I just went into the bank, and I had a really bad experience. I'm going to fucking end the banks. It's going to be... Free checking, free savings, no fee credit card transactions, free asset management, free insurance. We're just going to disrupt the shit out of them. And we'll send 20 companies into the field that do a different facet of it, and one of them will become the next whatever. And there's a lot of that happening in every industry. And I think Americans, in part, are really angry about that because they work in industries that Amazon walks into – or, I mean, I can, I can come up with 20 examples, but let's just use Amazon. They work in an industry where Amazon says, okay, we do our own logistics. We're not going to need FedEx and UPS anymore. We don't need storefronts. We don't need this. We don't need that. We've cut prices razor thin. And then you have the sports authority goes bankrupt because how could you sell sporting goods against Amazon with a straight face? But wait, wait, wait. But, but everything you just described sounded like a perfectly healthy economy in which investors do sensible things with their money. The problem is when you have a competitor who is not trying to earn a profit selling the same thing you do, your competitor is trying to sell shares of stock. When you have Uber come in and they, and, and they basically set themselves up in opposition to the, the local taxi cab company, Uber is not – in a position where they have to report financials, let's say, they don't have to make money in this city for the next five years. They can do all of this because there is an endless fountain of money coming to them to buy shares in the company. When you have a company competing against that and their competitor is just in the business of making their stock price go up, not earn profits, it's a very, very difficult thing to look at and say this is fair. Joshua Brown, you were perfect. I know. Thank you guys for having me. I I am – Not only a guest on the Hard Pass podcast, I'm actually a listener. Hard Pass is produced by Ben Riskin. Our cover art is by John Fulton, and the music you are hearing is by Aaron Leader. 